This is the Straight Dope Podcast, and we are continuing the theme of reflection, going back to the basics, thinking about the things that make a big difference to everybody when it comes time to go shooting, and doing all these reflecting points, thinking about shooting, thinking about my applications, thinking about applications to others, having people reach out and ask questions is really fun. They start to circulate around common themes, and because I think conceptually, and try to dissect things down, you know, what it reminds me a lot of like just being a human in, in general. And they say, well, to be to be happy and healthy, you gotta cover some bases, right? You gotta have um your health and you gotta have, you know, certain financial stability in a home and you have to have friends and you have to have the um you know, mental health and spiritual components all figured out. But those are pretty broad topics, right? And those can go down into wormholes. And those broad topics are these general themes. And and I think if one of those, you know, just just without being super offensive, because some people get protective of some of those topics, uh, health is, is pretty easy to talk about because you see it slammed everywhere. But if somebody says, well, I have an issue and, and um, you know, I want to fix it. And they say, oh, you got to focus on your health. Okay, great. And I can't imagine many of you thinking, okay, I know exactly what to do right now. Right. And then when you start looking into it, there's all these subgroups and subpopulations that have the answer for you, but that might not be the right answer. Right. You could be a vegetarian. You could take up CrossFit. You could become a road cyclist or a yoga practitioner. You could go on an all meat diet or a keto diet or a Mediterranean diet. And you say, well, which one's right for me? Well, that that's a hard question to answer without more information. And there's probably a right answer for each of all of those scenarios that tailors down to the individual. I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I've studied physiology and, and applications uh, in, in that context. You know, I have, I have some knowledge, but, but what I'm saying is, there are all these subgroups that 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 have specific reasons or rationales and, and oftentimes just dogma that goes along with that. And I think you see that in the shooting world. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that a lot of it isn't applicable to the individual. So how do you take stuff that is kind of broadcast out to the population? Right? If you're talking to a billion people, you can be pretty broad blanket statements. And then when you're talking to an individual, you're not going to make any forward progress using blanket statements because they want to have actionable things to do. And so with rifle shooting, it, it comes down to essentially like your system. But I think that's pretty easy. Like, you know, does it have the characteristics that it needs to do what you want to do? Let's say you're going to hunt and you're, you've got a, a round that, you know, you say, well, I'm going to hunt, you know, in this range for this thing. It's not hard to narrow down a huge variety of rifles that you might use to hunt or for a precision rifle or for hunting or for uh, tactical or law enforcement or, or, you know, I mean, what, whatever it is. You can get into the weeds, but what I'm saying is every system is capable of firing something and every system has certain inherent accuracy of that system. And, 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 and for this conversation, I want you just to think about a cone of fire, right? That rifle system is going to, sh- it's going to shoot a bullet out and if you shoot a million shots that could all glow, it would make a cone that extended out from you, you know, into the distance. 
And that cone is going to be large if you've got it at your hip. But even from your hip, you're going to be able to maintain a certain direction, a certain elevation consistency. And so it's going to be a big cone. I'm not saying that you're going to, you know, be super impressive like Rambo or something. But what I'm saying is, is you get a rifle, you put it at your hip, and you start shooting millions of rounds. It's going to essentially create this cone of fire. And if you start to control it more, that cone of fire is going to get narrower and narrower and narrower, but it's never going to be a laser beam. And, and so how do you take somebody where the cone of fire might be unacceptable for an application and make it acceptable? Because that's where a lot of the foundations of all shooting programs, all schools of thought come, come down to, right? We got this thing that can shoot this thing, but when we grab it, there's variability. It creates this huge cone of fire. For it to work and do the things the way that we want them to, that cone of fire simply has to get within this margin of error. And then the left and right side of it's in the target and we're good to go. And it's boiled back to some very basic principles that help people get reasonably stable. And, and what I mean by stable is reducing that cone of fire to a size that's generally considered acceptable. And they call those the fundamentals of marksmanship. And fundamentals basically boil down to a few general rules of thumb that help people bring that cone of fire down. But they're still really general, right? It's like saying, okay, we're going to focus on nutrition. Let's talk about carbohydrates, protein, fat, and and, and then your hydration, right? And, and it's like, okay, great. Now what? Oh, well, now we have to talk more details. Um, but, but just introducing that concept, you know, somebody might say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, the only thing I eat are bagels. Well, all of a sudden you're going to introduce more. They're going to bring their nutrition up and, and things are going to get better. Start introducing these fundamentals of marksmanship and people generally quickly bring that cone of fire from hip level accuracy to something that's better. And, and, and there are standards where that is perfectly fine. And you don't need to work on it anymore, and there's no reason, and it would make no sense to become a better marksman. And I know there's plenty of people out there that, that would argue, well, you always need to be better, and there's all, but, but that's not really true. And there's standards and there's applications, and those standards applications might not, might, they might not be what yours are in your definitions, but that is going to go for somebody else looking at you as well. And so there's always that other perspective of, well, we're better, you're better, you can always do this. But it's like, well, we, everybody has a certain amount of time in the day, focus on this stuff, certain level of commitment. And once you bring that cone of fire into their acceptable level, then it's their choice to decide if they want to pursue things into those niche categories. But a big one that circles around and has been discussed a lot was discussed a lot on a podcast that I did with Jacob Bynum and Frank Galley on the Everyday Sniper podcast. If you want to go back and look for that, I'm sure. Uh, the, the, those guys are like the, the ultimate fundamentalists, and it's fun to talk to them about fundamentals and shooting and progression. But, but the idea of natural point of aim always comes up. And to me, I think a natural point of aim is kind of the king fundamental. Why? Because it's huge. It's huge because it covers a lot of things. And you could probably write a book on natural point of aim that gets so detailed that people would lose interest 
in each of those details, but it covers a huge spectrum of things that we do to the rifle. It's not just, oh, it's just natural point of aim. And I'm going to talk about some of that a little bit here because I think that if, if I was going to say, and this is totally hypothetical because it probably never happened, but you know, I'm going to take a bunch of people and we're going to discuss how to get good in one single day. The only thing I'm going to work on is natural point of aim. The reason I'm going to work on natural point of aim is because it's broad enough that once people get concepts and ideas and figure out what's work, what works for them with that system, it can give people's proficiency um, you know, in certain contexts, it could, it could go up, uh, up quite a bit. So I'm going to kind of neglect some of the other ones, but I also think natural point of aim really does cover a lot of the other fundamentals and a lot of the other techniques, or you could argue them back to, well, you're, you're basically just talking about natural point of aim. And that's why I like this topic because I'm just sitting here alone drinking coffee and trying to keep that train of thought here going. So, so you've got to entertain me with with, um, with with listening to this. But I do think that this is going to help everyone that's listening if you are open enough to think about how you could work on natural point of aim and how you can try to improve it. Now on the subcast, the, sub, the podcast for subscribers, I'm putting out drills now that specifically target a lot of the topics we talk about here to test. Now they're very specific and I'm going to go into detail breaking them down once people have submitted it. But every time I put one out, there's going to be a drill to work on. And it's very, very simple. It's only a few shots, but it says, you know, do this, do this. Now think about the two. Think about comparing the two. What happened? What didn't happen? Because I think we can invest a lot of time and energy shooting lots of rounds, but not really know what happened. We can also shoot many, many less rounds invested in thinking about what happened and then develop the process because a lot of the process I think of a shooter is how they address their body and how they the rifle systems can do what's going to do so how does the body and mind address dealing with the stresses and the changes physiologically that throw up our shots and allow us to make those decisions so um so that's happening on the subcast, but here I'm going to talk about some of the major topics and then you if you, you know you're probably self-motivated and I, this podcast has tons of listeners, um, including, you know, people that, that are haters, but, um, but I know you listen, so that's awesome. Thanks for listening. And, um, we'll see what you guys come up with. So natural point of aim, I, I really like Jacob Bynum's definition. I don't know if it's his definition or if it's just the one that he uses a lot, but it's rifle pointed to target and body pointed to rifle. If that rifle's pointed towards a target, there's a pretty good chance that a bullet could hit that target, right? I mean, makes sense. And contrarians or pessimists might say, yeah, right, but, you know, it's probability. And Like, you're totally right, dude. But what I'm saying is if the rifle's pointed to the target, like, you probably don't want to be standing down there. And there's a better chance it's going to hit it. It's a better chance that cone of fire is going to be small, especially if it's not wobbling around like some kind of circus thing. So if the rifle's pointed at the target and it's stable, and the body's pointed at the rifle, when you connect with that rifle... Ideally, your body pushes directly in the axis of the rifle. And if that's the case, then the only thing that happens is uh, you feel the load and the friction of the rifle on whatever it's resting on. Or if you're holding it up and in, in, in you're holding it supported, um, there's no movement when you, when you close your eyes and um, take a breath, open your eyes. You, you, hopefully that reticle stays on target. And 
that sounds really easy and it sounds really simple, but actually like it's pretty hard to do. And my guess is that more often than not, shooters probably don't actually have the rifle to target and they don't actually have their body to the rifle. So, and, and, and if you want to, um, to see for yourself how you, how you do, um, now this doesn't, doesn't work as well if you have a 30 pound rifle on two game changers filled with sand because that's fucking heavy and it's not going to wobble much. And we're talking about wobble of the system, but, but it would still apply. But the lighter the rifle and the lighter the support, the better you could test that. And if you do it well with a light rifle, you'll do it well with a heavy rifle. So there's a little bit of play in here, but, but basically the idea here is the less support it has, the more you could test this capacity. If you want to get down prone, that's quite a bit of support. Nevertheless, you could still see it. You could do it prone, you could do it kneeling, you could do it seated, you could do it standing, you could do it fucking doing a handstand for all I care. The idea is the rifle's point of the target, so build whatever your position is and put the rifle on it and see if that rifle's pointed to the target. How do you tell if it's pointed to the target? Well, at first you just say, oh yeah, it's pointed that direction. Awesome. Then you look through the reticle. Is the reticle on the target? It better be. If it isn't, it's not pointed to the target, right? And you adjust the rifle, shake the bag, maneuver whatever it is, you know, cut some branches off the tree limb that it's on or, or, or ask, you know, your buddy that the rifle's on their shoulder to move a little bit. But you, the idea is you want to get the reticle on the target at the point of aim. And it shouldn't move. It should be stable. If you kind of flick it a little bit, it shouldn't move off and stay off. It should stay pointed on the reticle. Now, what shooters do is they get on the rifle and when you get on the rifle a lot of times they grab it and they move it they stick it up to their shoulder and then they get back down well you've broken the natural point of aim by doing that so how do you connect with the rifle in a way where you're not going to move it from where it was pointed that's tricky one thing you could do is build a position and then scoot in behind it in the same way every time which works for a lot of shooters um, and you could do that by getting the reticle on, get, connecting with the rifle, and then kind of doing a tap test with your chest and anything that's touching it, you kind of connect and disconnect. And if that reticle moves left, right, up, down, when you connect with it and disconnect with it, you're adding a vector to the back of that rifle that's pushing it off of the natural point of aim, which I think is really interesting um, because it show, it's giving you a visual representation of your input to the rifle is off axis, right? If the, if, the, if the reticle goes up to the right, you're pushing down and left. And so you could see, oh man, when I connect with the rifle like this and I do this, the reticle moves and I'm now pushing down or pushing up or pushing right or pushing left. And you'll see that contra movement, that, that um, the movement you'll see through the reticle is opposite of the force going into the buttstock, but that's pushing the rifle off of its balance. And when the rifle recoils, and there'll be recoil before the bullet leaves the muzzle, there'll be a tendency for that barrel to point up in the direction that that force is coming into. So other, other people, like I like to do a bridge. So I'll build my position, and I'll see the target over my turret, and then I connect to the rifle, and drop into position and the reticle will come up to the target because that helps me with target acquisition speeds. Um, so the rifle isn't necessarily at rest in its natural point of aim when I build the position. But as I come back, I'll shake the rifle and then I'll breathe, I'll close my eyes and, and, and then open them and see if the reticle moved. Now, if I'm training, 
I'll do that and I'll get in, I'll do the bridge, I'll drop down, I'll get in position, I'll get ready and then instead of doing my shot process to fire, I'll slowly disconnect from the rifle and see if disconnecting moves the point of aim. And there are times where I get lazy and I kind of lost the feel or how I built the position or for whatever reason, I'll come off and it might move. It might move four tenths, it might move two tenths, it might move six tenths, but the point is it's not true natural point of aim. And so instead of shooting, you know, I'll, I'll build that position, I'll disconnect, or I'll close my eyes, take a couple breaths, open them, and, and note that. And then if I shoot and I do that drill, I'll also notice that that cone of fire opens up. And how much it opens up, you still might hit the target for sure because there's a cone of fire there and your natural point of aim can put that rifle, I mean, it can, it can change the point of impact by, by pretty decent amounts um, if, if it's off really good depending on what it's resting on. But, but this, the, the point here is that you're trying to make that cone of fire smaller. It's not saying that the probability goes to 100. It's saying there's still probability. And if it opens up enough, and it's still on the target, you're still going to hit it. And I think that that's also something that doesn't get discussed a lot. It's like, um, oh shit, I was putting my hand over the microphone. Um, that might have sounded weird, and I apologize. Uh, I'm just going to leave it, though, because that's just what I do. But the idea here is that you could do things wrong and still hit targets. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, my guess is that more hits like at a competition or hunting, there are probably some flaws in that system, but the cone of fire was such that it didn't matter and you hit the target anyway. And as a marksman, as a rifleman that, that's on this kind of journey, you should understand that, yeah, you could totally screw up and still hit a target. You could totally screw up and still accomplish your goals. But if we're trying to refine the art of shooting, the art of shooting is such that we appreciate and understand and see the nuances and that depth and we can explore it if we want to. And so exploring the fact that like, you know, if you don't have a perfect trigger press, you could still accomplish all your goals. If you want to improve in some aspects of shooting, you might need to address a, a trigger press, but you might not. Cause if you have a 20 pound rifle, trigger press probably isn't going to make a shit of difference, right? If you have an eight pound rifle, it might for sure, especially if you're shooting offhand or with a sling or you know, depending on the support, for sure. But if you're never going to be doing that, is it that important for you? There's probably other things that are important at this point if you want to progress in the application that you have. You know, if, if um, But nevertheless, that rifle pointed to target, body pointed to rifle, is, is, it sounds so simple, and yet it could be so incredibly difficult to do, especially if you're holding the rifle up to your body and you're trying to assess that and close your eyes and open it, and it's always moving, and you're not sure how to fix it, um, the reticle tells you how the natural point of aim is. And I think that that's fascinating because the reticle is basically your teacher if you're willing to listen to it and explore and be curious about that. Now, the natural point of aim of the rifle is obviously, we've talked about this, influenced by the shooter. And if you're muscling something, it muscles, you know, it's one of those things that, we're using costly, we're, but we take it for granted because there's so many levels of force. And what I mean, like, um, you know, have you ever reached, gone out to reach something that you thought was going to be heavy and you went to pick it up and you yanked it off the floor because your brain somehow assessed, okay, this is going to weigh this much and I'm going to apply this much force. It didn't know the difference. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that was not heavy. And your brain, you know, consciously 
you're responding afterwards, but beforehand you didn't know. And I think that under stress and under heat and under time and under all the pressures that we have with shooting, applying the exact same force with our body to our rifle system is going to be very, very hard to do. And with the minute changes at a buttstock or pressures that our body's exerting onto the rifle system, muscles are going to be very, very hard to be uniform. And that, that's why breath shooting at the respiratory pause makes it the most repeatable thing if the volume of your breath is changing where the vertical part of your reticle is. Now, that, that could be lumped into natural point of aim, but, but uh, we're going to talk about that as, as breathing uh, down the road. Um, but not muscling things is the best way that you can probably have the smallest cone of fire. Now, I know for sure that the tactical shooters out there, the old school shooters that say, well, all I need is a sling or a bipod. I pull it back on something or I lean as hard as I, I can in on it and the wobble zone reduces. Yeah, it does. But you've reduced it from a large cone of fire to a smaller cone of fire. But, but what if you want that smaller cone of fire to be cut in half? right? Force isn't going to do it. So you could use force at first to reduce a cone of fire. Absolutely. But that's still going to be big compared to some of the standards that exist today. So, so, you know, you definitely want to keep those standards in mind. If muscling it is within the standards, well then forget about it, right? You're good enough. Uh, if you want to have the most precision, muscling it is going to be very hard to be repeatable over time because your nervous system's going to have a hard time telling the difference between that force under dif different types of stress. And you won't, you won't, you know, just like picking up something that's heavy or light, in the moment, you might not know that. You might not be aware of it, you know, without a certain... But if you are not muscling, it's much easier to be relaxed in a relaxed state because you have fairly consistent mass. You have fairly consistent body dimensions and design such that you can kind of get used to, okay, I'm standing up and I feel relaxed versus I'm squeezing this thing and I'm pushing this thing and I'm grabbing this thing, right? And then if you're naturally aligned uh, with the rifle, right, body pointed to rifle, you've got square angles, essentially, right? There's no cant, there's no blading, there's no things that are touching it that are sloped. And if you can stand on your skeleton and put that rifle up against something that's square to it, um, and, and actually, like, this is where, like, bat shooters really have a kind of an advantage because if, if you're super fat, then you're not putting out something bony that's slippy and angly, right? It's just a cushion. Basically, you're carrying around a game changer. So you just kind of lean into that thing with your um, hydrocarbon game changer, and uh, you're good to go, which is, which is pretty awesome. But you just don't want those angles to be capitalized on by the energy transfer into your body, and that's kind of what that's kind of what you're seeing. But if you're not muscling it, you're going to be more repeatable than if you're muscling it, right? If the rifle's pointed to the target and your body's aligned to the target, that cone of fire is also going to decrease, making it more likely. And then there are other things that get very, uh, very minute because I shoot tons with tripods, you know, and most of you uh, know that. And um, you know, there are issues with length of pull, rifle balance. Uh, scope over action height, cheek comb location, um, you know, what, what position is your body in, uh, what are the angles of fire and uh, angle changing considerations, stuff like that, and then uh, stress that come into that. But as a general theme, I think that natural point of aim 
is one of those blanket statements that are important to think about, but you need to apply it back to your particular consideration, your philosophy of use, your application, your intended goals, your standards. And a lot of people kind of are afraid to ask questions. And I'm, you know, just going to speak for, for myself, but I, you know, tons of people reach out and ask questions about shooting. Um, shit, a hell of a lot of like the pro level shooters ask, you know, hey, what have you seen this? What have you seen this? And, but, but it seems like as a, as a culture, people aren't as willing to ask questions openly. And I'm not going to call people out or anything like that because, you know, obviously there's trust and privacy. But, but what I'm saying is like we have a culture where in firearms, mentoring is really important and it's got a history of mentoring, but also there's like a certain amount of shame that goes into asking questions publicly because nobody wants to admit that they're struggling with something or they don't quite understand something. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but I, I definitely feel like I'm not afraid to ask any question, even if I feel like I know it or don't know it, I'm going to ask it and explore it and continue to look into that. And I feel like there shouldn't be shame in asking questions about firearm stuff, asking about performance, about shooting, because shame is going to hold you back. Right. So, uh, so, so it's like, um, instead of natural point of aim, it, sh it should be the natural point of shame. Um, we, we should be open to asking questions and admitting like, man, I, I don't, I don't get, you know, here's some things I'm struggling with. Here's some things that I'd like to know more. How do I approach this? And I think the, the first thing is to be honest with yourself, right? You don't, you don't need to ask the public. You don't need to ask people. You certainly feel free to ask me. Um, but uh, there should there should be this this culture of of sharing and growth because I don't think we're anywhere near human potential. So all of the performance levels that we're seeing now are just people willing to put in the time and practice, ask questions to somebody or ask questions to themselves and keep practicing. Everybody's doing it kind of in these quiet little pockets, um, and yet like the different disciplines, it's 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 like almost xenophobic. Like you don't want to, you, you know, well, we don't talk to them. It's like, man, you know, we're, we're all kind of doing the same thing. So we have different cones of fire and different stressors. Um, nevertheless, the idea is growth and expansion. And first you have to be honest with yourself, like where is your level of performance? And is it in the, the zone that you think is perfectly fine? Like that's totally awesome. Most, most people that I know who, who go to any type of shooting competition, they never feel like their shooting's perfect and at the level that they would want it to be. And in, in that case, going back and looking in some of these areas is really important because you can always shave off parts of that cone of fire and that cone of fire is largely influenced from you, the shooter. So how, how you address and deal with those things is, is really important. And, and, and maintaining that curiosity and the willingness to, under low round counts, iron out the influences, I think, can speed up that process. And thinking about high-level performance and helping high-level shooters get even more performance out of their systems, you know, that, that allows me personally to focus on these minutia and then try to digest them in a way such that, that, that it goes back to the, any shooter, anyone thinking about this, the King fundamental as of, um, you know, October, 2023 to me is natural point of aim because natural point of aim really covers a lot of those bases and then figuring out what your particular fingerprint of influences on natural point of AMR, nobody's going to tell you, you're not going to go to class and they say, okay, here's the things that you do. And here's five things. 
And if everybody does these five things, those five things are going to be too general for you to get beyond a certain level at, right? And anybody that says that, like, I would be skeptical of their ability to make you better. They're educating you on the five things, but that's not necessarily going to help you, um, you know, get better. I mean, that's like saying, okay, you know, everybody shoot at your respiratory pause, bingo, you're all fucking, you know, Olympians. Like, okay, wait a minute. I shot on my natural point of aim, or I shot at my respiratory pause and I missed the target. What's up with that? Oh, well, you know, that's something else. Um, exactly, right? But I want to know what that something else is that I do so I could fix it. Oh, well, you know, that, you know it, that's too detailed for this class. Oh, my God, right? Figure out your details. My guess is that each of us has our own blueprint of specific things that we're doing to cause that cone of fire to open up, and they're going to be different than your buddy. So if you work on your buddy's thing, might not necessarily help you, or you might not be kind of at the right zone to perform it. But if you're doing the testing and the curious question asking and the tinkering, you're going to find the thing that works for you. And I think that that curiosity and that exploration is also going to double in as motivation to fix it. And if you're like, man, I know I do this and I know I do this, but how the heck do I fix it? I can't seem to figure out how to fix it. That's where you should not have shame asking somebody, uh, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm doing. Here are my results. What the heck do you think is going on and how might I fix it? Man, I bet there's tons of people out there that have gone through that same thing. And they, they'd be like, oh, shit, I went through that last year. What, you, know, you should ask me earlier. This is what I did to fix it. Often, it's about that easy. And then weaving it all together and then managing stress and doing whatever your application is going to be uh, doesn't necessarily you know, skyrocket you instantly to the top. But a lot of times those little things, they do add up, right? All the little details add up to a bigger picture. And I think that that's really up, like, really amazing, right? And it comes, circles back around to the community, the attitude, the willingness to kind of reflect on what, why, when, where are you going to be using this? And what are you willing to and how are you willing to fix it? And then being open to actually actually doing that. Uh, all right, I'm losing my train of thought. And I have a rule of, of once I recognize that, um, cutting you off. So I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I, I'm always blown away when I see how many people listen to this podcast. I would love for it to continue to grow. So probably the best thing that you could do for the podcast as a listener to show respect and appreciation is to share the podcast with friends, right? Get more people listening to the podcast, share it into communities that don't necessarily uh, listen to this already. I think that, that, you know, we're just, we're just talking about marksmanship. So it could apply to any application, any area that uses fundamentals of marksmanship, which hopefully anybody that uses a firearm. And then um, of course, if you want to subscribe you get another podcast with drills. You get access to the data processing management target analytic site. And you're helping the podcast for very little, which is amazing. And uh, I've got an app coming out soon, and we're going to beta test that app through the subscribers. So if you're there, you know, in the next couple months, there's going to be some beta testing of, of a cool app that I think everybody's going to really like. And, um, that. And then, of course, Mile High Shooting, Utah Air Guns, 
the sniper's hide. If you want to firearm anything, go to Mile High Shooting. If you're interested at all in air rifles, go to Utah Air Guns. And if you want to read articles and see stuff, videos that are already on a site full of things, go to go to the sniper's hide. Uh, you don't have to go into the forums. You just go to the main screen, look at articles, look at features, look at videos, look at training, and you could skip the forums altogether. The only bad things I've ever heard about Sniper's Hide have taken place on the forums, and you can completely skip that and get tons of cool information there. The website's going to be having some big changes pretty soon, and all of those changes are remarkable, um, but it's not a bad place to go for uh, information. And uh, so check it out. Share the podcast if you're feeling grateful for the podcast go to the link in the show notes and become a subscriber and if you're going to buy something go to mile high shooting utah air guns and until next time